0: Welcome to the thesis talks. Today we're here with Sarah, who will talk to us with, about her thesis, who she wrote with her friend from another program. Program, yeah. Yeah. Could you tell us about your thesis? Your thesis, please. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. First to this really cool podcast. Like I said before, off record. <laughs> um, yeah. So I wrote the thesis together with my really good friend. What was your topic? What was the... we? Yeah, and from my work, I heard about this uh, thing called PSD2, Payment Service Directive 2, which is a legislation from the EU that forces um, uh, banks and financial, or yeah, basically just banks actually, um, to open up for the payment data they have on their customers to expose it through APIs to third parties because you wanted more competition and a more see through market somehow transparent market uh, in the within the European Union for financial yeah, services. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also why we see so many fintechs in the like recent time. So, yeah, so we ended up writing about co-creation because we needed to settle on something specific, not an industry analysis. Uh, it had to be something that we could see in the literature and it was something that we should sort of identify a gap on and then we should be able to make an academic contribution based on a context we analyze so to say in reality yeah. so we needed to go like way back to where we started and figure out okay we need to look into the so uh, what do you call it the um, academic literature first and then we have to find a case in reality so that's what we um, and what we learned was co-creation that's a really understudied topic within b2b co-creation And like I said, we wanted to write about banks collaborating with fintechs or like how the market was changing due to the PSD2. So we figured, okay, let's write about co-creation because that's about how they collaborate in the market. So that's what we ended up writing about how to enable business to business co-creation based on a case study of the bank and its two. So in our theoretical uh, framework, We tried to develop this conceptual model where we structured the co-creation process because it proved to be really key for us in order to do the analysis right and in order to ask the right questions and interviews. So we divided co-creation as we saw it and based on the literature review into three different stages. The first one being assessment. And this is where you as a company look into your internal resources, the resources Sources you hold at the moment, but also what sort of resources you see in the ecosystem. And we decided to use e- ecosystem over industry. Um, yeah. yeah, because we find sort of the lines in the industries today are like the barriers of the industries to be really blurry, especially because how do you place a, a fintech? I mean, yeah, it's a fintech startup. You also have like really big fintechs, but if they develop a financial service and they sort of are banking service or like do you know what I mean yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. so we call it the financial services industry but we sort of more viewed as an emerging uh, ecosystem Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you have this assessment phase and then you determine if you see a fit or misfit with resources sometimes and that's what we saw the bank was really just like they met their co-creating partners through sort of coincidences or were yeah, presented to each other by what you call mutual connections, mm-hmm. and they weren't really specific in what they were looking for, uh, whereas the they were more like, yeah, we want to do co-creation, we want to do something cool. But the fintechs, on the ha- other hand, were much more specific in what they were looking for. Like, But the fintechs we looked into, the only way they could live was with banking data. That's what they developed the code for. Mm-hmm. So they knew they needed a bank and obviously then you have an idea of what sort of bank you want to work with and you already have a product that you want to push to the bank. Yeah, and then you see if there's a fit or misfit. Uh, and then you move on to the next stage, which we called integration. And this is why you first you sign a contract. And then we saw, okay, so the people from the bank side that signs this contract are the business people. And they are really, really eager if they find a nice fintech to sign a contract, close the deal. And it's the same, like the fintechs are also really eager to close the deal. The thing is just the fintechs are so much smaller and the banks are a lot larger. So the fintechs in some ways are a little more aligned, but the banks think they are aligned. They try to talk to each other, but they just they don't manage to communicate successfully always to all key stakeholders. And when I'm talking about the key stakeholders here is sort of the next step in the integration phase, which we call development. And that's where you actually start to develop uh, this new product together. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get your people from IT uh, into this whole yeah, equation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they would say, wait, we talked about this over like a quick coffee meeting. But it turns out the code or whatever data you need access to, it's much more complicated. And we're coding in two different languages and all these like technical things that arise. And that creates a bunch of challenges on both sides. And this is also the time where that's actually going back to the contractual sort of agreements, where the fintechs also need to learn to interact with big corporates because a fintech works in that way, that they will just develop something, then they will launch it and then maybe it fails or it tests bad or something or you get rough feedback. That's okay. They can change it like this super fast, but a bank, they have sort of a zero failure tolerance. You really want your bank to be sort of perfect as a customer in every aspect, and they should not play around with your economy or your personal data, and they sort of also have some ethical uh, a, what do you call standards or um, considerations yeah. 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 exactly mm. um, and that can be quite challenging so it's also really a big learning process from both sides and what we learned was that if they haven't done it before like haven't done a co-creation partnership before either the bank or the fintech then they really learn and then they end up in the uh, what we call the outcome this, which is like the third step in the model um, and this is where they evaluate where they're at. There is Maybe they have launched a product, maybe they haven't. One of the fintechs we looked at didn't launch a product yet because they were stopped by internal processes in the bank because they were unable to test mm. um, in real life. And in the bank you use a sort of, uh, can you say, uh, a f- more fake testing environment which is not real customers unless it's business customers but this is private customers not to get too technical it's just more difficult Mm. for them to test and they want to test the solution because they have this sort of zero failure tolerance um which can be very challenging and then the other product that was already launched but what we saw was that when um, the fintech started to evaluate the process and everything they learned okay now the product is launched The bank has this amazing customer base. It's really big. So like, they have the money, they have the customers. The fintechs, they have the technology. But now we developed it. So what? The solution still needs to be pushed to the customers to be of any value and to really realize. Um, So that was quite a big challenge. Uh, And what we saw from all of this now, I'm imagining my model. And since it's a podcast, I realized that nobody can see what I'm trying to draw out in the air. Mm But uh, if you imagine a square, oh sorry, divided into three pillars, which are the three pillars we just went over, the assessment, integration and the outcome, you have some errors going through all the way from assessment to outcome. These are what we called in our research um, drivers and facilitators. So these are sort of the, the things that incentivize the process to going forward. So beyond these, you also have an organizational learning and that's in the bottom of this big square that I'm just drawing here out (laughs) in there. So that means if you're in the assessment stage and you don't see a complementary fit, but you just decide to move on to look for another co-creation partner, then you still learn something. Both the FinTech and the bank, they learn what they're not looking for or they might learn what they should improve. But let's say you move, so you, get, you acquire organizational learning here. Then you move on to the integration stage. and then you really have to travel, right? Because now both sides have to perform. They have to adapt the way they're doing things. They have to agree to sign contracts. Uh, the fintechs have to be really compliant and consider things they have never considered before because everything for them are very easy to change. And the bank really have to make sure they have everyone involved from the beginning so they're aligned on how to prioritize. Big learning here and really a lot of something they're still working on in Danske Bank and also something the fintechs are learning. Like working with the bank, how should they approach them and how should they sort of adapt their behavior to working with a big corporate? Mm. No one has the answer. It's more something that you improve from learning. It's like you get better at walking and every day you do it. So you also get organizational learning here and then you move all the way to the outcome, which was the third pillar of this sort of conceptual model. And if you can imagine that what you consider as a valuable outcome is also the perception of the entire process, because like I said, the idea of value is bound to your perception of it uh, and you only get the perception from having this experience with it. So. Therefore, the organizational learning goes all the way up to the outcome. And this is where you sort of realize the value. And you think, okay, what could have done, What could we have done better? Did we learn something from it? And then it goes into a big loop. So if you do it all over again, you'll be so much better at it the next time. Mm. So what we learned was it's really challenging to study an understudied topic. Business to business co-creation. It's also really challenging to study an under uh, experience process that are still ongoing. Like I said, the outcome in terms of launching a product haven't even been reached, reached for one of the collaborations that we are uh, co-creations that we studied. And the other one that's launched, but it's not nearly done. Um, so it's really something that's yeah, an emerging topic and I even goes as far as saying an, an emerging era for banks or other players in the financial services. Um, and for the future research of this, we also realized, okay, it's really interesting to study these sort of interactions and the enablers to the interactions in the form of the drivers, the facilitators. Uh, but okay, for future research, you should also really look into what does it take internally in the organization. Because, for example, if a fintech uh, experience any issues with something, then they just, just But they just call the sixth guy they have there, and then they bring him to the next meeting, and then it's done. And then all of their priorities are focused on, or mostly all of their priorities are focused on this collaboration, or co-creation collaboration with one bank, which is their partner. But then you have a really big bank, a really incumbent bank as well. So first of all, you're trying to develop something that goes from business to IT, back to business, back to a fintech. You need to learn how to communicate. So we learned that face to face communication, that's really essential. So if you can remove the business person, bring the IT guy to the or girl to the front line and have that IT person talk to the IT person from the fintech, it's so much easier. Mm because they also understand the complexities, which sometimes the business people, not because they don't want to, but they just don't understand how to sort of mind them when they develop a contract. Um, So we really wanted to study, okay, these internal enablers. And for us, when we talked about the enablers, like I mentioned that as driving, that are driving the co-creation process forward, then we talked about the drivers, and the drivers are your uh, personal sort of opinions about stuff your perceived level of trust have you built a relationship to the person you're across the table from all these sort of like really personal based opinions right and we really learned no matter what trust and transparency is really key and you don't have one thing without having the other um and for the facilitators we see them as the encounters or touch points that you have that can be through Skype, that can be via face to face meeting, that can be a text message. The earlier we were in the process, mean in the assessment or the integration stage, then it was really, really essential that you met face to face to face with the fintech and ba- like the bank and fintech should meet together. Um, and also, you should really focus on developing trust and transparency. Because what happened was that the partners weren't as transparent as they could have been, because the dialogue wasn't good enough, because the trust wasn't really there, because it's a new way of working together. So, when you have to determine the way you wanted to work and decide and agree on expectations, accidentally you can easily overpromise because you're just so eager and you want to do it and it all comes from a good place but going out and having a dinner with the people from it and business something like that something very informal actually meant a lot and it wasn't done until the co-creation processes were more drawn Mm -hmm. really um you mentioned a little bit about future research but you think your model can be used like a standard template for b2b value co-creation i think it's a really good guiding tool uh, and it's actually something we were asked at the final exam by funny enough our sensor was a really cool woman who was um uh, one of the founding fathers so to say of copenhagen fintech before it was called copenhagen fintech so she really knew something about co-creation And what we discussed with her uh, and what we found quite interesting was that uh, because the incumbent banks, they're very regulated, both because they have to be compliant, but also from the state and from the European Union and the FSA, um, which are all kinds of, um, how to say, players that make sure that the banks act with integrity. Then they also need to have sort of standardized processes, like sign a contract early uh, with every partner they let in to their system. And therefore in a business to business co-creation setting where you have an incumbent could also be in the, for example, pharmacy industry. That's also really regulated. It's going to be easier to map and use a model to Sort of as a roadmap for the co-creation process. Hmm. We believe so, at least. <laughs> <laughs> in general, why do you think that uh, co-creation? You said it was so understudied in a B two B context. Is that because they're just starting to do it now? Because I don't know, the the industry needs to be more fluid and more adaptive and agile. So we need these co-creations with the startups. Or what do you think is the reason why now they're starting to do cooperation in the B2B sphere? Well, this is based on my personal perception. Yeah. but first of all, I think we see a lot of companies that has aggregated huge amounts of data. And I think we'll see sort of supranational or the like, for example the EU uh, organizations to force large data, rich companies to open up, not to get monopoly, Uh, because that's more fair in the end to the consumers then second of all today it's easier than ever to start a business it's never been easier right so a lot of these small startups they have pretty good solutions for something they need the data for the big corporates or just like the bigger companies to work and I think we've already seen in the past and we have it more and more hackathons I think that businesses are starting to realize they might be experts on some fields but if they want to develop and if they want to follow the rapid development we have in all societies at the moment then they need to look for external knowledge knowledge that they don't have at the moment and they need to activate it and co-creation is a great way to do it Hmm. super i think um yeah, we got a very good overview of what you did in your yes, thesis, and thanks so much <laughs> cool. for sharing your knowledge. Um, yeah, with yeah. us here, of course.